Rinkwide Vancouver. The Vancouver Canucks complete the season sweep of the Nashville Predators with a 5-2 victory at Bridgestone Arena. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway. Jeff Patterson joined by Irfan Gaffar. And we're here to break down yet another Vancouver Canucks victory. Coming off the win in Chicago, this is a club now, Earth, that is 6-0-1 in its last seven. got to go back to the home game against New Jersey to find the last time the Canucks left a rink without something in the standings. They are on a roll, 22-9-2 now on the season, up to 46 points in the standings. Yeah, was this team ever really on a slide? I mean, I guess you could call it a, a mini kind of slump, but when you're good, when you're consistent, when you're coached well... You can get yourself out of it, and that's what the Canucks have done. You just mentioned points in their last seven games, um, and they're playing well. I mean, they they the first period, obviously, this national game was a little bit ugly, but you know we joked about it. So it was half of the the first half of the game probably, and then when the Canucks turned it on, boy, they they really did turn it on in this one. We saw the quick strike offense the other day in Chicago, middle of the second period. They scored back to back goals, forty one seconds apart. Dakota Joshua and Brock Besser here. The quick strike was on display again. Goals 31 seconds apart late in the first period, and then goals 46 seconds apart in the latter stages of that second period. And I think spread offense, as it was the other day in Chicago, they got goals from three of their four forward lines against the Blackhawks. Here, they check all of the boxes. All four of the forward lines contribute at least a goal to this hockey game. And the first period looked very much like a chess match of two teams that were feeling each other out, two teams that came into this thing playing well. Uh, we talked about the Canucks and the role that they're on, but the Predators, one of the top teams in the National Hockey League over the last month, they had won four in a row, 13 of their last 16. And so neither team really wanted to give an inch, I didn't think, in the early going, but the Canucks were patient, I thought, as the road team. They really gave up next to nothing, and eventually that patience pays off. Elias Pettersson down the right side. Tyson Berry, I didn't think, defended it particularly <laughs> well. You can't give Pettersson that kind of room. And he picks his spot for his 13th of the season. And then, as we said, uh, next shift out, some good forechecking. The Predators turn the puck over, and there's Nils Amon back in the lineup and scores his first of the season. So where it looked like it was a bit of a tough slog in that opening period, Canucks did well to get out of the opening 20 with a 2-0 lead. Yeah, and shots were 35-28 in this game. So both teams shot the puck well. I mean, it wasn't one of those games where it was kind of a lull, but I agree with you, kind of. Both teams feeling each other out, and a lot of it was played in the neutral zone. I mean, teams didn't want to get in trouble. They know that both offenses can score very quickly, can get behind defenses. But yeah, like, like you mentioned, I think the biggest thing and one of the things that we're going to look at and obviously focus on is being able to roll all your four lines and get contributions. Because sometimes for this season, I know we've done shows here, Jeff, saying that, you know what, did this, the top six is just carrying them night in and night out. But it's been the consistency now of their third and fourth lines that's kind of showing Dakota Joshua getting goals in, in back-to-back games. Had four shots on the night. I know he didn't score, but he was definitely visible out there. <laughs> the one play, him kind of looking off Carlton Connor Garland a little bit because he felt so good. But I think that that, for this team moving forward and as we head into Christmas and the break and everything like that, being able to get those contributions from all your lines is huge. Well, Dakota Joshua was involved in one of the wilder sequences of this night and one of the kind of crazier things that we've seen in a while. Late, late first period. Connor Garland down the right side. Jeremy Lozon, who leads all NHL defensemen in hits, and you can see why, absolutely seals the wall and just drills Garland. Yeah. And Dakota Joshua watched what Nikita Zadorov did the other day when the Blackhawks took some liberties with Elias Pettersson. Good teammate. 
you know, just kind of rides over into the neighborhood to survey the situation. Meanwhile, Phil Tomasino is off on a breakaway the other <laughs> way. Everybody's paying attention to what's going on in the corner to the left of UC Soros. And Tomasino had uh, really the best Predator scoring chance in that opening period. But Casey DeSmith gets the starting goal. Uh, he made that stop, and he made most of the saves. Stopped just about everything that came his way. So what could have been a turning point, because uh, the Canucks get out of the first period up 2-0. Uh, but also, Michael McCarron, he wasn't even involved in the initial skirmish, but uh, he wanted a piece of Joshua, and the referee separated them. I had some choice words for the officials. He gets turfed in right at the end of that first period. So lots going on there. But for the Canucks, again, as the road team, people have been knocking their starts of late. Now, the first 10 minutes didn't come out firing, but it is hard to argue being up 2-0 on the road against a good Nashville team. So uh, I'm sure Rick Tockett was pleased with the overall performance. In that opening period, the Canucks outshot the Predators 10-7, and it set them up because they had the power play as well with the McCarran penalties to start the second, really could have put the hammer down. For as much as I liked their first period, though, Irv, I didn't dig the first yeah. 10 or 12 minutes of that second period. They looked pretty complacent to me, and you knew that Nashville was playing too well. Like, they weren't just going to roll over down 2 nothing. and I thought they kind of pushed the pace in the start of the second period. Canucks weathered some storms. Smith looked good, made the saves that he was supposed to, but ultimately, with five minutes to go in that second period, off the rush, Jeremy Lozon with the snapshot that kind of fooled DeSmith, I think, uh, on the short side, whatever the case, where the Canucks looked like they were in pretty much control of the hockey game. Now, all of a sudden, it's game on, and the Preds are on the board, and they've got some life. Yeah, and then the Canucks scored pretty quick after. I think it was one of those things where you look at it, and you say, okay, well, they're playing well. The Preds are pressing. we got to get one here. And it was basically the next shift, you know, Niels Hoglander doing Niels Hoglander things. 10 goals on the season for Nils. I mean, he's a guy that we've been talking about all season long as to, you know, what's his place on this team? What's his role? Well, he's found it. And, you know, he's scoring. He's putting himself again, like we mentioned, in good positions to score and was able to, you know, get a stick on the ice, cause some traffic in front and poke the puck, you know, past UC Soros there. And and I, and I thought that was a great play by him. That's the type of effort that Rick Tockett want, wants from his forward group. That's the exact effort that a guy like Kuzmenko, I know we're going to get into him a little bit later on, Jeff, yeah. but that's the exact type of effort that he wants from his forwards. Go to the net, stick on the ice, and it's cliche, but when you do that, good things tend to happen. And they've happened 10 times this season for a guy like Niels Hoglander. And then Pia Suter, right after, obviously getting involved as well. So three quick goals, obviously assisted by Elias Pettersson and Ilya Mikheyev, who also had himself a good night. Yeah, uh, those names will figure in the uh, three starts when we get there. Uh, a little bit later on, but let's just go back because Lausanne scores at 14:23, so it's a two-on hockey game. 15 seconds later, like what a response for the Vancouver Canucks. And you're right, Nils Hoaglander, double digits. I mean, kind of quietly. I know he got on a bit of a run a couple of weeks back, but then had faded when it came to scoring goals. Not faded necessarily in the way that he is playing, and he's not going to score every night. I get that, but for him to score. Uh, scored the last time the Canucks were in Nashville. In fact, uh, scored a very similar-looking deflection goal, Heronic to Hughes. So they go D to D, and Quinn Hughes flings that puck on net. Nils Hoaglander there shakes off the check, is able to tip it in, and that's where, again, this quick strike 46 seconds after that. Uh, it was Pia Suter, you know, just sweeping the puck in the blue paint. But we've talked about this a lot, certainly the shows that you and I have done together as well. I just think this is an area where the Canucks are so improved this year, and that is finding their way into the blue paint, standing the ground in front of the net. P.S. Suter's not the biggest guy in the world, but that's where the puck goes. That's where the goals are. And P.S. Suter got just enough of that puck after the shot by Mikheyev. 
able to sweep it past uh, UC Soros. And so where moments earlier it was two to one, now all of a sudden the Canucks have extended their lead. They're up four to one. And that's the way things stood after two periods of play. I swear 15 uh, Brock Besser goals are from exactly in that area. I think we can go back and count them if we really want, but a good chunk of the goals come from those dirty areas, right outside the crease, right where you need to be, right in front of the team's opposing goalie, making life miserable for team's defenses. And, and I think that that's one of the things that Rick talked and his coaching staff when they're with this team. Okay, they're not the biggest forward group, right? You're not going to go in. You're not going to park in front of the net. You're not going to be the, 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 the big hulking you know, team that, that, that's going to bruise you on the forecheck. They're quick. And then they just need to be tough to play against and cause havoc and make defenders move. The guys don't want to skate when they're in front of the net as much. But if you make a move and make life miserable, guys like Hoaglander, guys like Besser, guys like Pia Suter, guys like Teddy Bluger, they're going to find themselves in positions because they're smart and know where to be. And the puck eventually, like you just mentioned, Jeff, will show up on their stick more often than not. Yeah, Pia Suter, you know, I wasn't sure what to make yeah. of the experiment on that line with Elias Pettersson and Mikheyev, but... Clearly, he's got the hockey IQ. Rick Tockett has talked about that repeatedly and kind of puts himself in the right spot to go find pucks that are there and, and loose, and, and that was the case there. But he also, you know, he gets the second assist on the Pedersen goal that opened the scoring, and it was a nifty little, just a little nudge pass, but right onto the stick of Mikheyev, who gets it up quickly to, to Pedersen. So, uh, you know, doing nice work all around. Pia Suter finding his legs after missing those 14 games, and I thought he had another... Uh, stellar outing for the Vancouver Canucks. And so it was 4-1 after two. Canucks extend that lead at 5-1. Teddy Bluger early in the third period. The pretty goal uh, set up by Quinn Hughes, but Teddy Bluger getting in on the action as well. And yeah, it's not that trio that's been playing so well of late. It is Teddy Bluger on his own set up by Quinn Hughes, but uh, nice shot. And that was Curtains for UC Saros, who, yeah. again, like the team, and a big reason that the Predators were as hot as they've been, the play of UC Saros. No goaltender had posted more victories over the last month in the National Hockey League than this guy. And yet the Vancouver Canucks chase him, and he was none too happy. Last we saw no. of him heading down the tunnel, I think some of his equipment preceded him down the tunnel there. Uh, a little bit of a tantrum from the Predators' starting goaltender. Uh, but that's uh, life. I mean, the Canucks uh, did enough to find ways to beat this guy, and and they chased him, and ultimately Kevin Lankinen came in, didn't give up any goals. Uh, one last goal, and I suppose for Casey DeSmith, it's unfortunate that uh, you know he can't see out a 5-1 victory. A 5-2 will do, uh, and certainly not his fault. Cody Glass left all alone in front of the net as the Canucks kind of figured, I guess, the Preds would go quietly into the night. But 5-2 is your final score. Canucks out shoot the Predators 36-28. Nothing doing on the special team, so Canucks' power play goes 0 for 3. But the penalty kill, which the other day in Chicago was a little bit of an issue, uh, penalty kill was perfect 2 for 2, so that's a step in the right direction in that regard. And Casey DeSmith just continues to deliver for the Vancouver Canucks. He's 6-2-2 two, and two now in his 10 decisions, so he's picked up points, or at least a point in 8 of his 10 starts. And again, it's unfortunate that Cody Glass scored on him because... Uh, yeah, the shutout against Minnesota. Then he gave up one the other day in Minnesota and suffered a loss, the shootout loss, and it looked like it was going to be just one. But still, on balance, guy's given up three goals, Irf, in his last three starts. Yeah, you and I were talking. I, I didn't think that this was the Casey DeSmith game on this road trip. So an interesting choice, obviously, going up against a very good Nashville Predators team and coaching staff and, you know, Ian Clark, they, they, they definitely see what's going on and are making decisions based on who they feel is, you know, a little bit better to go in that night. But uh, yeah, he's, he's been playing well. And I think that obviously, you know, I, I've said it a million times, you always play a little bit harder when your backup's in net. But when this guy's in net, they play a lot 
calmer, I think, to be honest. You know, he doesn't really make it look too, too difficult. You know, he sees the puck really well. He's not going to like the goal where it kind of beat him top blocker side there. It was tough. He's a little bit screened there maybe, but didn't really see it. For the most part, you know, I've mentioned Jennings as much as we talk about Demko for Vesna. You know, the, the Canucks have a very good thing in these two goalies. And it's the calming influence that they both possess when they're in the net. You know, you're allowed to make a mistake if you're a defensive. You don't want to, but you know your goalie's going to bail you out more often than not. And I think that that's a very good luxury that the Vancouver Canucks have. I mean, they played their third game in four nights. You go up 3-1 after two periods, and then you said, okay, you have that cushion. If you can get that extra goal, then say, okay, we're probably going to be able to see this one out. And they were able to do that. Yeah, and I, I just look through my notes here, and DeSmith was called upon to make some stops. Yeah. We talked about the Tomasino breakaway in the first period. Gus Nyquist came down after a bad change in that second, the long change, and Nyquist was sprung down the left wing, got a high shot that DeSmith sort of fought off but made the stop there. Uh, Tomasino again in tight with about five to go in the third period, and Casey DeSmith just, you know, he's not a big goaltender, but he makes himself look as big as possible, takes away as much of the net as he can, and... Uh, again, has just, I, I think there's a confidence level in here. I mean, the fact that they go with him in a game like this against an opponent that was playing as well as Nashville is, it speaks to the confidence that the coaching staff has in Casey DeSmith to do more than just spell off Demko and give him a rest. They believe that he can go in and play games like this and deliver results. And, you know, they haven't sheltered him. I mean, he got the second start of the season in Edmonton after the Canucks had absolutely uh, drilled the yeah. Oilers, and, and you figured it would be a payback, and on the shot clock it was, but the Canucks got a win that night in Florida towards the end of that first Eastern road trip at home against the New York Rangers the night after Thatcher Demko had posted a shutout against the St. Louis Blues, and you thought, well, no travel. You could have come back with Demko the next night, but they went to the Smith against the Rangers. So he has seen some good opponents and has found his way to make the stops necessary to help this hockey club get wins. You think that changes their philosophy a little bit because he he can? You know, I, I mean, it, this is Demko's team. Don't yep. get me wrong. He's going to play the brunt of the games. He's going to get all the action. He's probably going to get. But on a night where you look at and say, this is probably Demko's night, do they think about it and say, okay, you know what? Maybe maybe we can give Casey because they have that much confidence in him. I think they do now. Yeah. I think that uh, the fact that he's had 10 starts before Christmas, like I remember when the schedule came out and I looked and there weren't that many back-to-backs in the first half of the season. And I thought... The need to get a good start, a coach that rode Thatcher Demko down the stretch last year, saw what a good Thatcher Demko can do for this hockey club. And this was before they made the trade for Casey DeSmith. The, at that point, it still looked like it might be open auditions, Spencer Martin, or perhaps even Arthur Silovs, whatever the case. But they make the trade for DeSmith on the eve of the season. But when the schedule came out, I, I kind of thought <laughs> that they were going to lean heavily on Thatcher Demko. And when you think how well Thatcher Demko has played... Tockett and Ian Clark have probably had to fight the urge a little bit to go away from him at some times, but the payoff will come later. I mean, all of these wins, they're just two points closer now to locking down, and they've still got some work to do. But I think we all know where this conversation is now headed as they have 46 points through 33 games. So uh, they're now 13 games above NHL 500, and the more rest that you can get that your Demko I kind of thought that they, if this was going to be a playoff team, it would be on the, the back of Thatcher Demko. But if you can spell him off and give him nights off so that he's fresher and ready to go and uh, you get around to that second season, then you know that's win-win for the Vancouver Canucks. And I think DeSmith has earned more starts and more opportunities. I would have to imagine that Demko, arrested Demko, gets Dallas on Thursday. But then, yeah, you got San Jose in here on Saturday, the final game before Christmas. 
you don't want to relax. You've already lost one to the Sharks, but I could see you going back to DeSmith on Saturday to extend Thatcher Demko's holiday break here. And then they only have the one game between Christmas and January 2nd. So their schedule does thin out an awful lot here. You don't want Thatcher Demko sitting around too much. That's not a conversation that I thought we'd be having about too much rest for Thatcher Demko in season. But Casey DeSmith has just been a, a really nice addition, yep. understands his role. And uh, yeah, there's no goaltending controversy. That's not what this is about. This is just a goaltending tandem that uh, might be the best in the National Hockey League. And so it's good for the team. It's good for both of these guys. And DeSmith, again, was solid for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Quinn Hughes gets a couple of assists. It's a, a good news story for him because he's been a little bit quiet here of late. And I love the fact that he had that breakaway too. Late in the second period, sees an opportunity and was able to pounce on that puck and, and get him behind the defenders. Didn't score, but still, I just like the fact that his reading of that play just shows, again, sort of uh, the way that he scans and and senses opportunities and, and was off to the, the races there. But two assists for him. So he's up to 41 points. He's the first defenseman in the National Hockey League this season to get to 40 points. And then he added a, another assist on the Bluger goal. So he's at 41. And Philip Hronik had an assist. And he's at 29 points. Earth, 41 and 29, my math. That's 70 points from those two guys. It's unbelievable. I mean... Philip Hornick, good for him because that number keeps on going up and up and up and up and up for him on his, obviously, his contract negotiations. As long as he's putting up those kind of points, the number will continue to go up. But going back to Quinn Hughes, you mentioned the breakaway. He doesn't look like a defenseman when he's on a breakaway. <laughs> it's happened a few times this season. Obviously, the goal that he scored um, at home, and, and that was ridiculous. It was against the Islanders, I do believe, uh, where he kind of went in top corner in overtime. Um, but he, but even this one, like he knew what he was doing as soon as he got the puck. You know, he, he didn't hesitate. He obviously gets stopped on the breakaway, but... Yeah, I mean, we can wax on poetically about Quinn Hughes time in and time out. And, you know, him being quiet for a couple of games isn't going to be the worst thing in the world. But you mentioned, obviously, being up to over 40 points, first defenseman in the league. He's been the first defenseman in the league to do a lot of things. (laughs) And the first defenseman in Canucks franchise history to do a lot of things as well. So they've got exactly what they know they have in their captain. And that's it. It's a very elite hockey player with a a brilliant hockey IQ. Um, And as long as, you know, he stays healthy and the guy like him and Philip Ronick, you know, the way that those two are playing, and you know the the offensive points are definitely going to be there. It's 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 the defensive things that you know we kind of have to look at a little bit. Their schedule gets tougher in the second half of the yeah. season, just in terms of quality of competition. So I'm mindful of that. And just general hockey speak, offense is tougher to come by in the second half down the stretch. Things tighten up, uh, all of that. But Quinn Hughes is at 41 points through 33 games. So. You know, the idea of a 100-point season from Quinn Hughes is still there on the table, which I need to see it to believe it. I don't want to bet against this guy at all. I do think that maybe the pace will slow down. You know, the Canucks haven't seen the LA Kings yet this season. They've only played Vegas once. They haven't seen the Boston Bruins, haven't seen Winnipeg. You know, those are some of the top defensive teams, and those are teams that ultimately they're going to see before the season is through. But it's just been so much fun to watch Quinn Hughes do his thing on a nightly basis. And you know, I didn't think this was a dominant performance from him, just like I didn't think it was a dominant performance from Elias Pettersson. But you know, they're both on the score sheet, multiple point games for those, and uh, certainly had a hand in delivering this victory. I'm going to say 41 now. He's going to have over 65 before the All-Star game. I think I really, it's definitely possible, right? Sure it is. You mentioned that, but I also think that, you know, you mentioned something there about, you know, it tightens up a bit and it's, it, things are tighter. 
But that, I think, is what you want if you're this hockey team. You want to be playing that tight checking hockey where games are a lot more desperate for teams that you're playing against because obviously teams are looking to go into the playoff push. And then you find out what you're really made of. Can you win these two one games? You can blow teams left, right, and center all you want. You can score 10 goals against Edmonton 10, 15 times if you want. But can you do that in March when they're fighting for a playoff spot? Can, can you do it in April when another team, when the LA Kings are coming to town? And things like that. So... As good as they are right now, it's all really just collecting and banking these points until the really meaningful hockey starts in March and April. Well, we'll come back to the standings a little bit later on when we get to the stat that stands out. But something that jumped out at me in this hockey game, and to your point there, they had trouble breaking down Minnesota on Saturday. Mm -hmm. They did early start, travel the day before, whatever. Uh, And Minnesota's playing well, but the Canucks could only muster the one goal. They had the five power play opportunities. And you're right, like, as games tighten, the Nashville team coming in, we talked about the first period, I don't want to say it had a playoff feel, but I, it, it sort of had a chess match to it as they were both trying to figure out ways to to break each other down. Ultimately, the Canucks score five even-strength goals in this hockey game. And if you look at the high-danger chances, at even-strength, the Canucks gave up six in this entire game, according to Natural Stat Trick. Like, that's, that's an impressive showing in a game against a team that has been lighting up opponents and scoring a bunch of goals and winning in bunches here. So, uh, you know, start to finish, uh, I would put this up there with one of the more complete games for the Vancouver Canucks, and there have been a bunch of them. And as you said, some of them have been laughers, uh, but I think it is important for them to find a way to break a scoreless tie late in the first period, take the lead, and then we know what they've been like. in the. They take a lead in the third period. I mean, absolute money. Yeah this season and what a trait that is. And that's going to serve them well as well the later the season goes, uh, just in terms of being comfortable with the lead in the third. And I didn't think they sat back in the third in this one, even with a 4-1 lead. You look at Bluger extends it, but Bluger had another chance set up right in the slot from Connor Garland. Mikheyev came down the right side, tried to tuck one in. They had some scoring chances of their own to just keep pushing the pace here against the Predators. So start to finish, uh, pretty solid performance for the Vancouver Canucks. They pick up their 22nd victory of this season. Still plenty ahead here on this edition of Rinkwide Vancouver. We've got our three-star selection. We'll hear from players and coaches. Got the stat that stands out. We'll get into some listener feedback as well. Your thoughts on what you saw in this win over the Predators. I mentioned right off the top, season sweep. And And that's important. I mean, the Canucks have distanced themselves from so many teams that it's unlikely that the tiebreaker is going to be a factor. But uh, you want all of those season series and tiebreakers in your back pocket. And so uh, it's just a byproduct of playing well and beating the Predators all three times you face them. They're done with this Nashville (laughs) team. And part of the reason the Canucks are where they are, they're 7-1-1 in the Central Division. I know they're in the Pacific, but the way the playoff format is structured and conference play matters. And, you know, again, the Canucks have distanced themselves, so not likely to have to worry about being a wild card. But still, I mean, they are absolutely feasting on the on the Central Division. And a part of that is the fact that they're 3-0 and against this Nashville Predator Hockey Club. The Canucks are the best team in the Central Division. <laughs> they're not even there, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, you beat those teams. Obviously, they're going to have to play Colorado again. But... Yeah, I I think that you know you you mentioned the when when taking a lead to the third period they're closers like they they just they they close games they they slow it down and they make you play their type of hockey and that's the thing that we haven't been able to say about this Vancouver Canuck team for a very very long time I mean okay maybe on Saturday they played a little bit to the wild but beyond that going into that third period 
um, or, or going into really any third period when this Vancouver Canucks team has a lead, they just know how to close out games. You know, the high danger chances. Everything is from the side. Casey DeSmith can see everything. And when he's called upon, and if he's going to see it, you know, even Thatcher Demko, they're going to stop the puck. So it's a very good luxury to have seven and one in the central division is just wild, but uh, good for them to be completely honest. And you know what? They're, they're getting points. They're racking up wins and, and they're banking it all. And that's exactly what you need to be doing before Christmas. Yeah. 22, nine and two. Now the Vancouver Canucks up to 46 points and depending on the way the cards fall here, Vegas has a couple of games. The Canucks still have two games, but there is a chance that the Vancouver <laughs> Canucks could be the top team in the national hockey league. Uh, according to the standings uh, for the brief holiday break that is ahead here at the end of the week. The roster freeze goes into effect as well. Certainly we'll get around to talking about the Canucks roster and one of the players that wasn't involved in this hockey game, but certainly was the talk of the market yet again for the wrong reasons here. Of course, that's Andre Kuzmenko. But right now it's time for our Betway bet of the day. New York Islanders did the Canucks a favor, knocked off the Edmonton Oilers uh, as the Oilers making a, a quick Eastern trip ahead of Christmas time. Islanders are right back at it again on Wednesday, taking on the Washington Capitals. Now, the Isles are road underdogs here, but boy, they're playing some good hockey. Bo Horvat scored again. He's on fire right now. Islanders have one outright loss in the last 10 games. They're 7-1-2, and two, so maybe there's some value here on the road dogs. The, you can get the Islanders at uh, plus 210 on the money line taking on the Washington Capitals. That's our Betway bet of the day. Must be 19 plus. Please play responsibly. The Vancouver Canucks look good in Nashville. 5-2 winners over the Preds. It's rink-wide Vancouver. Five-two Canucks over the Predators. It's Jeff and Earth with you on Rinkwide Vancouver. Canucks will move on to Dallas, take on the Stars to wrap up the road trip on Thursday. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But want to hear from Rick Tockett, his thoughts on his team's performance. So we certainly liked it, Earth and uh, head coach was pretty happy uh, start to finish the overall effort of his hockey club tonight. I thought from the first period, I thought we were really connected. Um, I liked our breakouts. Um, you know, I thought each line did something. Um, you know fourth line big goal obviously Teddy's goal like you know P like we, we, we had some good some good plays from different lines I liked our D I, I mean I just liked the overall game that's you know that team's 13 and 3 that's a hot team and I thought for the most part we were we were really good tonight yeah and he talked about uh, the same things we did there <laughs> he's listening to us uh, but contributions from every line and the fact that you know, this is a red-hot Predators team, and uh, the Canucks certainly, uh, you know, gave them everything they could handle. Yeah, and I think that, you know, he also talked about the team's defense and the way that they defended and how things were kept on the outside. They defended really well in the middle. And when you do that, Jeff, most or more often than not, you're going to win a lot more hockey games in this league. Yeah, and look, they have been guilty of less-than-ideal starts. Mm -hmm. Even Tampa, when they were through here, scored in the first 90 seconds. Uh, the Minnesota game, a little sluggish. Chicago getting outshot 10 nothing by the Blackhawks. I know it was back-to-back. -back, and it kind of felt like, yeah, they got to Nashville. It was a day off Monday, just a chance to sort of catch their breath from a, a fairly hectic schedule. And so they were ready to go. And as we said, they met Nashville's push in that first period. Didn't give the Predators an awful lot. Coach was pleased with the way his team was ready to go from the drop of the puck. You know, we talked about that. Um, and, you know, you don't really have to say too much. I mean, I heard before I, you know, sometimes I go grab a coffee and I heard some guys talking about make sure about our starts. I mean, 
it makes that coffee go down a little easier when you when you have your players saying that, right? So, no, they they uh, yeah, leadership group was great, and obviously Casey was solid. You know, getting him in there and uh, another win for Casey. So yeah, it was just you know one of those good games for us. All right, so what I learned from that is it, not even so much that he was happy with the start, it's that he has to go get his own coffee. He doesn't have, <laughs> isn't there somebody on the staff that brings the head coach coffee? Not the way that Rick Talkie likes it. That's that's what I think. I think, I think Rick got his own special brand of coffee for old Rick Talkie. That's what we're just going to leave it there, yeah. Hey, whatever. Uh, it was working yeah. for him and uh, maybe some others. Uh, I thought Elias Pettersson was good. We'll get to the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection. I liked his game in Chicago the other night. Uh, it wasn't just the fact that he scored, but he had five shots on goal. The puck was on his stick. I think he had nine attempts against the the Blackhawks. And again, those are the Blackhawks. These are the Predators. That's stepping up a weight class. But uh, Elias Pettersson was asked about this uh, burgeoning chemistry that he's finding with the newest member of his line, Pia Suter. He makes plays. He's smart out there. Uh, I mean, he's a center normally. Uh, so that helps me. I can be... Uh, I don't have to worry or think about too much if I end up furthest up on the four check. He, he or Mick will track back for me. So, and I mean today I think we we played well. I think we played well in Chicago as well. But um, yeah, a step in the right direction today. Interesting perspective there. Just talking about the fact that Suter is by nature a center, and so he sort of understands some of the the nuances of the position. Even though they're asking him to play wing, uh, it allows Elias Pettersson sort of that freedom to know that. Uh, and Mikheyev's remarkably responsible as well. And so uh, Ilya Mikheyev scored the other night. Uh, he got to double digits. Doesn't score in this hockey game, but uh, certainly was a factor. He had a couple of assists. So that line was going. And uh, I would think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I think you'll see Pia Suter remain on the wing with Elias Pettersson here for the uh, at least the near future. Yeah, and Ilya Mikheyev's got some really good numbers at five on five. He's near the top of the team. He's near the top of the team in five on five numbers and shots and things like that. And also near the top in the league as well in some of those five-on-five statistics. But yeah, Teddy Bluger, smart hockey player, right? And I think that that's one of the things that Rick Tockett talked about before we talked about it on this program before of how much, you know, he his hockey IQ is there. And when you put his hockey IQ, Elias Pettersson's hockey IQ together, and obviously the way that Ilya McKay has been playing, and especially at five-on-five, chances are things are going to go well for you. I guess I thought that Pia Suter would get reinserted into the middle with Joshua and Garland, yeah. but the way that line's going right now, why would you even consider touching that? And you wouldn't. So uh, now it's finding a place for Pia Suter. And again, I just think he brings sort of the natural hockey smarts that allows him to hang with a guy like Elias Patterson and not just, you know, keep up, but contribute the way that he did with a goal and an assist. So that leads us into the rink-wide Vancouver three stars. Three stars in the building is selected by Preds Media, a clean sweep for the Vancouver Canucks. And that's not always the case in some of those buildings when the visiting team, even if it has a convincing win, the home team usually finds a, a way to get one of their players into the stars. But, you know, the Canucks did a, a remarkable job. Like, Philip Forsberg, I thought, was remarkably quiet in this hockey game. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, I bring this up. I don't know if you and I have worked a Preds game, but we'll get to the real stat that stands out momentarily here. But this one always jumps out at me that, Ryan O'Reilly, when you think of all that he's done in this league, and he had some success against the Canucks in the playoff bubble, but in the regular season, he's played 46 career games against the Vancouver Canucks and scored one goal. Crazy. Like, that just makes no sense. It's crazy. For a guy that's around the net and plays as much as he does in all situations. So I bring that up every time, but they don't play the Preds again this season. So that'll be the last time I mention that one. But uh, let's get to the three stars here. The, the ones in the building were Casey DeSmith, Nils Hoaglander, and Nils Amon. So you got the goaltender and a couple of goal scorers. And uh, no real issue with 
those selections. I'm putting Petey at the top of the list, though. He opened the scoring. I liked his goal. He looked confident coming down that right wing. And again, Tyson Berry gave him a little too much space there. And we've seen that uh, over <laughs> the years. You give uh, Elias Pettersson you know, that kind of space, he's going to burn you. And so uh, he scored a back-to-back games. That's a good sign, sort of heating things up offensively again. But it was more than that. It's that he's shooting the puck. And I mentioned he had the five shots the other night in Chicago. In this game, Elias Pettersson with six shots on goal for the Vancouver Canucks. So he was dangerous. He was around the puck. And I've got him as the first star, and I've got Pia Suter as the second star. Suter with a goal and an assist. And that line was uh, sort of the, the line that really made things happen for the Vancouver Canucks in this hockey game. And then I've got Casey DeSmith in there. And again, it's unfortunate he gave up the late one, but when they needed him, particularly in that second period, uh, Lacombe controlled, made the stops that he was supposed to. Sure, he probably didn't like getting beaten from distance by Jeremy Lozon, but uh, otherwise, this guy just, uh, again, steps up uh, when asked by the Vancouver Canucks and keeps earning more opportunities. So I've got Pedersen, I've got Suter, and I've got Casey DeSmith as the rink-wide Vancouver three stars of this hockey game. I have absolutely no problem with that. I thought Casey DeSmith might have been, I mean, you mentioned Pedersen, he might have been their best player. He was he was strong when he needed to. And I think that as we go on this season, Jeff, more and more and more, I think this Casey DeSmith story is going to get, we're going to have to start talking about it a little more. We I know we mentioned it on this, on the podcast as well. And, and we talked about it, about him earning more and more starts for the way that he's playing. But it's going to be interesting to see the way that this season goes. Obviously, Elias Pettersson's keeping receipts. Everyone's saying shoot the puck more. He's heard it. He's shooting the puck a lot, a lot more. But uh, the DeSmith one is definitely the interesting one for me as we move forward here. Well, whether it's Casey DeSmith or Thatcher Demko, the Canucks just lock it down in the third period. Now 19-0 when taking the lead to the third period this season. Hey, before uh, we move on here, I want to take a moment to tell you about uh, the VGH Millionaire Lottery. It's bigger than the trade deadline. Uh, You've got until midnight, Friday, December 22nd, to get in on the 51 early bird draws in the VGH Millionaire Lottery. These early bird draws are worth more than $200,000. You can win an Audi e-tron GT or a private jet experience that includes 20 grand in cash or $125,000 plus 50 winners will win 1,000. With your VGH Millionaire Lottery tickets, you get in to win one of 10 grand prize options or you can take $2.7 million in tax-free cash. Don't forget to get your 50-50 plus tickets. Every ticket purchased supports VGH and UBC Hospital Foundation. Order in person at London Drugs or online at millionairelottery.com. 19 plus to play. Know your limit and play within it. Stat that stands out. Some listener feedback to our social channels at Rinkwide Van. We'll talk about Andre Kuzmenko and the fact that he didn't play in this hockey game and a little preview of the road trip finale in Dallas on Thursday. Canucks, 5-2 winners over the Nashville Predators in Music City, USA. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. Continuing to break down this Canucks victory 5-2 over the Nashville Predators. Pedersen, Amon, Hoaglander, Suter, Bluger. Goals from four different scoring lines. And Nils Amon gets his first of the year. Thought that one was going to stand up as the winner, of course, uh, with the Cody Glass goal. His first goal of the year as well, which is uh, pretty remarkable when you think that Elias Pedersen opened the scoring with his 13th and also had a, an assist. And uh, you go back to that uh, 2017 draft, Pedersen and Glass. Uh, Canucks made the right call. Uh, pretty clear <laughs> on that one. I'm going to get to the stat that stands out here before we get to some listener feedback. And I said we were going to double back to the standings here. 22-9-2. That's the Canucks record. 46 points. When you look at what's happening around the playoff bar in the Western Conference, I'm going to sit here 
right now and predict that on the 19th of December, the Vancouver Canucks are now halfway to clinching a playoff spot in the West. You double their 46 points, that would give you 92. I don't think that there are eight other teams that are going to get to the 92 threshold. I think this is going to be one of those years where the playoff bar is a little bit lower in the Western Conference. And so I think the Canucks are halfway home 33 games into this season. Uh, St. Louis got shelled by Tampa. Calgary was idle. Those are the two teams immediately below the playoff bar. St. Louis has 31 points in 31 games. They are bang on 500. They have made their coaching change. Like, they would have to basically do what they did in in 2019 for them to get to 92 points now. Like, they've got to be 12 games over 500 from this point forward. And I just, they're a flawed team. Yeah, I don't think they're good enough to do that. I don't see that happening. Calgary, it seems like one step forward, one step back. Calgary's actually played 32 games. So they've got 31 points. They're actually under NHL 500. I hear people screaming about the Edmonton Oilers. That's fine. If the Oilers... Uh, but the Oilers have lost three straight all of a sudden mm-hmm. after the eight-game win streak. So with the real Edmonton Oilers, please stand up. Uh, even if I, I'll give you that Edmonton, of the group below the playoff bar, still possesses probably the best chance to make some hay and make up some ground. But then they're going to bump a team like Arizona that is basically a 500 hockey club as well at this point. So I think it's going to be really difficult for nine teams in the Western Conference to reach 92 points. I just think it's going to be one of those years. I may be proven wrong, but I don't have a crystal ball. (laughs) But my projections here, the rink-wide Vancouver projection desk says the Canucks are halfway to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And and you look at those teams below them. I mean, look, it would take an absolute tailspin. The Canucks falling off the face of the earth and whatever. You know, you hope they stay healthy and significant injuries and and, and everything. But as it stands right now, and as you mentioned, yeah, halfway, like 92 points. And and, and again, it's going to be a lower bar. I mean, the the teams in the Western Conference just really aren't that much better than the teams in the East East this year. And the games are tougher and and, and things like that. And a lot more lower scoring and, and points are points are a lot harder to come by than they are on the and and the other conference but for this Vancouver Canucks team let's focus on them for a second you know you can go into christmas and say okay i mean they're never going to admit it out loud or publicly but we're halfway there and they, they in mathematically they might be something you can pat your back on obviously to be able to collect all those wins this early in the season and give yourself a little bit of cushion for the teams that are chasing you so definitely a positive storyline as we head into the break yeah and i think too you have to keep in mind like some of those teams below the bar will sell off yep. like they're not even going to be in the playoff push a month or two months from now so it's not even looking at that entire pack because some of those teams will peel off and will decide that this just isn't their year but the fact that i think the canucks are halfway to a playoff spot after just 33 games pretty remarkable that is certainly a stat that stands out something we like to do on each and every episode here of rink wide vancouver all right uh, we have broken this game down in a bunch of different ways always like to uh, look at our social channels and see what the people have to say as well uh, at Rinkwide Van, uh, Double Dime says this seven-game point streak has probably put a lot of doubters to rest. This team is for real. Uh, it certainly feels that way, that if the lull of three weeks ago was win one, lose one, and that's as bad as it gets, and they've pulled out of that with six wins and an OTL in their last seven games, then yeah, they are back and trending in the right direction and picking up a win 
and really go back further. I mean, I know Tampa's not the Tampa of a few years ago, but that was a good win mm -hmm. over a, a team with championship pedigree. The Florida Panthers went to the Stanley Cup final last year. They shut them out. That was a, a good win. Carolina, maybe not at the top of its game, but Carolina's going to beat a bunch of teams. The Canucks got their two points out of that one, and then here tonight against a, a Nashville team that was streaking. So, you know, it's not just 6-0-1. It's 6-0-1 against some pretty solid teams. Uh, you know, top tier in the NHL? Maybe not, but sort of that next level... And I think there are a lot of people that still think the Canucks are in that next level, but with every win that they scratch out against other competition like that, uh, certainly they're gaining some attention around the National Hockey Yeah, I think we're going to, maybe not yet to start talking about this team as elite, but you know the, the way that they're being able to back pocket wins and put them in the pocket is at an elite level, sure. right? And, and I think that that's the biggest thing when you look at it. You have the ability to close out games when your record is perfect going into the third period after a win, that's an elite stat. And and I think that when you look at the, the good teams, or you separate the great teams from the good teams, the Canucks are kind of on that bubble as to are they, are they or can they be great? Sure. I mean, they didn't match up against Vegas. Yeah. It's the one time they've seen them. They don't see them again for uh, a few months here. Uh, lost to Colorado, hung with them for two periods, and then the Avs kind of pulled away. As we said, they don't play Los Angeles until the 29th of February. It's a leap year coming up, and they see them on the final day of February, and then they see them three times after that. So those will all be tough tests, and we'll get a better sense. But again, for this team, the goal is make the playoffs first and foremost. And with this start, it would be calamitous if that didn't happen in terms of, you know, can they hold their own against teams with legit Stanley Cup aspirations? That's sort of a secondary conversation to me. You know, let's see what the Canucks roster looks like after the trade deadline. Maybe they go all in and think that this is their year. Maybe some of those other teams go all in. Somebody's going to make some moves around the trade deadline. But for the Canucks, to me, it was just about setting themselves up to be a playoff team. And they've just got to keep the, you know, the, the pedal down here because they've taken so many strides in the right direction. We'll see where it goes into Dallas. That's not going to be easy on Thursday. We'll talk more about that one coming up here in a sec. Uh, back to listener feedback. Another Jeff says Canucks just look so much more organized, poised, and confident this year. No stress. They're playing incredibly well as a team defensively. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was a stress-free victory. It was. And, you know, if, they're, if, if they started to sweat a little when the Preds made it 2-1, to one, no better way than to regain your edge and, you know, restore that two-goal lead 15 seconds later and then yeah. pile on again. So, yeah, I would call this one relatively stress-free. Justin says Hoaglander, he's a power forward despite his size. Dude wins way more than his share of battles, mm. there's no doubt, and the goal was uh, more evidence of that. If you're playing stressful hockey for 15 seconds in, a, in every hockey game, I think you're doing something right For the, if you're the Canucks. But back to Hoaglander, you know, again, we've talked about him so much. I, I really like his tenacity. I, I really like the way he just chases pucks down. He's not afraid. He plays a lot bigger than he is. And again, just getting to those areas where making life absolutely miserable for defensemen. Defensemen don't like playing against guys like him. Always in your face, always in your chin. Your head's there because he's a smaller guy, and obviously a lot of these defensemen are bigger. It sticks on the ice. It just hits him, and it goes in. And I think that that's, that's the thing where you look at, and if you're Rick Tockett, you say this is exactly what you want, especially for a guy who's not in the lineup, probably might not be in the lineup next game either, 96. He's saying to 96, you need to be watching what 21's doing night in, night out. We'll get to Kuzmenko yeah. here in a sec. Ernie says, finally, a team ready to go from the first whistle. No slow start. And I would agree with that. Again, I thought uh, defensively they were ready. Uh, it took them a little while to find their offensive footing. But again, give the Predators some credit the way that they were playing here of late. But eventually the Canucks uh, found what they needed to do. And Elias Patterson sets the tone. 
Pedersen scored the Canucks' first goal the other day in Chicago. Uh, that wasn't the opening goal because the Blackhawks had already scored, but he got the Canucks on the board then. He gets the Canucks on the board here and up to 13 goals now on the season. All right. The story throughout the day was who wasn't going to play. Andre Kuzmenko comes out of the lineup, uh, replaced by Phil Giuseppe, who was a healthy scratch over the weekend. And it does make you wonder where this goes. Uh, and I just want to be perfectly clear and make sure that everybody in this market's on the same page because I saw some suggesting this was the fourth healthy scratch for Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, it was the third time he's been a healthy scratch. There were the back-to-back -back games in Seattle and San Jose, and this one tonight. He also missed a game in Calgary in November, but that was the night after he took that slap shot, the JT Miller shot, to the face. That was injury-related. It was quick back-to-back. -back. Yeah, that happened late in the Islanders game, and then they had to go to Calgary the next night. So uh, it wasn't going to be able to fly, and they sat him out. So that one was injury-related. The other three are healthy scratches. Now, you hope that the two back-to-back -back were going to deliver the kind of message that would get a response. And I know he scored the two goals last week, but those were his only points. Uh, there just hasn't been a whole lot happening. He barely played uh, in Chicago the other night uh, under nine minutes, uh, even strength. I think 11 and a half minutes overall, barely played in the third period. And, you know, the troubling part for me is that Rick Tockett's now making a choice to sit Andre Kuzmenko in favor of Phil DiGiuseppe, whose play has faded away as well. But when he was asked about it this morning, coach didn't even want to talk about Kuzmenko, just said, I'm icing the best lineup to you know, win this hockey game and we'll worry about the next game, next game. Well, much like the win in Seattle, Taki went with the same lineup the next game in San Jose because nobody deserved to come out. Like I look up and down that lineup. I know PDG missed an empty net in the third <laughs> period, uh, but I, I have trouble believing that Rick Tockett's going to go away from a winning lineup other than perhaps Thatcher Demko in goal, but Kuzmenko's not going to play net, so that was not the issue. Andre Kuzmenko better be prepared to sit out another one on Thursday night. Yeah, you win 5-1 and you do it the way that you were able to do it and roll those four lines like Rick Tockett did, and yeah, he's right. His job isn't to make people happy or make the fan base happy. Rick Tockett's job is to ice a lineup every single night that he feels is going to win him hockey games. And unfortunately right now for Andre Kuzmenko, he's not in that lineup. And whether that's going to change next game, probably not like we just talked about. Maybe on Saturday against the San Jose Sharks before the break. But, you know, if this team keeps winning and playing the way that they are, it's going to be very difficult for a guy like Andre Kuzmenko to get back into this lineup. Not only because, Jeff, that you mentioned that, okay, he's on, he's playing, He's getting under under 10 minutes of ice time at five on five. You know, he's got 11 minutes total, but a lot of it's power play. He's not even doing anything with the power play yeah. time. And that's the, that's the frustrating part. You know, they're, they're giving him some rope. They're, they're giving him some leash, but he's still not being able to make the most of, of his opportunities. I know PDG, you know, mentioned Misty Empty Net, but at least he's playing. At least he's getting in. He's hitting people. He's doing things that are differently. He's shooting the puck. For Kuzmenko, it's just, it's just really difficult right now. And then you look at Nils Hoaglander, who started yeah. the season as a healthy scratch. And when he got in the lineup, it was lower in the lineup, and he started to play well, and people wanted to see him earn uh, a more of an opportunity. Like, it's been the complete inverse to Andre Kuzmenko, and Kuzmenko should be looking at Hoaglander, who is four years younger. It's Nils Hoaglander's 23rd birthday tomorrow, by the way, so an early birthday present for him, getting his 10th of the year. But he's doing the things that the coach asked of him for a guy that was sent to the minors last year, and had three goals in 25 games, and here he is now. Canucks have played 33. He hasn't played all of them, and he's got 10 goals. So 
uh, you can make the most of limited ice time. And for whatever reason, Kuzmenko isn't. And the people that don't understand the decision seem to think that Rick Tockett should just let him be and try to be the 39 goal scorer from last year. But he's not that player. Like, we know that the shooting percentage was outrageously high last year. It is a little strange that he hasn't factored more on that first unit power play. I mean, he was so good in and around the net. And I pointed out earlier today, and this surprised me when I was looking at it, because we're all fixated on the six goals for Kuzmenko at this stage of the season. But if he hasn't had a, an assist since that Islanders game on the 15th of November. So, like, how can he be part of that first unit power play and not touch the puck somewhere along the line where it winds up in the net and you find yourself on the score sheet? The other thing... And I thought this was kind of interesting. It didn't take a lot of research because he only has two hits on the season. <laughs> and I know that he's that, that's not who he is and who he's going to be. But I look at it and I think, okay, Rick Tockett sat you down in consecutive games. You know that he's questioning the work ethic, the battle, all those types of things. I'm not looking for Andre Kuzmenko to blow guys up in the neutral zone. He's not Dakota Joshua. But there is something to be said about getting in, pinning a guy against the glass, separating him from the puck. His two hits came early in the season. Since those back-to-back -back healthy scratches, he hasn't recorded a hit. I would have thought that maybe you'd want to show the coach that you're understanding what he's telling you here and that what you were doing wasn't working to keep your spot in the lineup. Maybe it's time to try something a little bit different. And if you're the coaching staff, like, does that look and sound like a guy that is taking all of this tough love to heart? And I think it's fair to ask that question. Yeah, and I think the I think the word I'm going to use is involved. He's just not exactly. at all. And I think that that's that's a tough word. And I think that's what the coaching staff is saying as well. When you're in the uh, when you're on the ice, just get there, be involved, be in the play, do something. And unfortunately, in your own end, you're missing you're missing assignments. You're on the wrong end of you know the the advanced metrics at uh, night in and night out. You know the other team's shooting a lot more pucks on net when you're on the ice than they're not at five on five at an even strength. So it's going to be a tough learning situation here for Kuzmenko. You know, you really hope he's able to figure it out. There's been so much talk and speculation about him being available via trade and things like that. And, you know, I, I'm I'm not ready. I'm not, you know, sitting here ready to say that the Canucks are willing to give up on him because I don't think they are. There is a 39 goal score somewhere in there, right? You, you can't get lost behind that. Six this year, you mentioned the two hits. He doesn't really play defense. Where is your value if you're Rick Tockett looking at your lineup and your whiteboard saying, how, how can I put him in? Right, and they don't need 39 goals no. from the guy because they're leading the league in scoring and they get five when he doesn't play. So uh, I think a lot of this is on him and he's got to figure out uh, you know, what he wants to be and, and how he's going to sort of bridge that gap from where he is to what the coaching staff needs out of him. The funny thing is, I mean, in some ways, he brought this on himself. And I, and I, I don't mean this badly, but expectations after a 39-goal season through the roof. I mean, we could play this game on a post-game pod like this one, but... If this was his first year in the NHL and he had six goals and 17 assists, 33 games in, a half a point a game guy, people would be thinking the Canucks this was completely found money. But he had 39 goals last year and he got money, real money out of it. And yeah. so with that come expectations and he just doesn't look like the same player. And it's unfortunate because he was so much fun last year, the yeah. personality, the celebrations, all of that. And it's just so subdued on and off the ice. But, I mean, it was the story earlier in the day, but the story turns with the performance on the ice. The Vancouver Canucks, again, full, full credit for a 5-2 win. Complete team effort in Nashville. They defeat the Predators. They complete the season sweep. They are 22-9-2 on the season and 6-0-1 in their last seven hockey games as they head for Dallas now 
and a chance to make this just an unbelievable road trip. They have picked up five of six, and now the Stars are going to be difficult. Uh, the Stars beat Seattle in overtime. They've won three of their last four and got a, a loser point in the other one there, so they've picked up points in, in four straight games. Uh, we know that they've got high-end talent in Jason Robertson and Miro Hiskanen, but Jake Ottinger is out until after Christmas, so Scott Wedgwood will get the starting goal in all likelihood. Not that uh, he's not a capable goaltender, but he's not their number one, so maybe opportunity knocking there. Uh, we'll see. Whatever the case, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you've got two games to go before Christmas, and then after that Christmas break, a nice rest to uh, recover and uh, sort of catch a breather from what has been a really compressed schedule here in the first half. So uh, I would think that you know this is a carrot just dangling in front of them now, again, just squirreling away as many points as you can, and they want to prove that they can hang with all these teams. They shut out Dallas back on the 4th of November. That was a pretty complete effort from them that night at Rogers Arena. But this will be a good test. But uh, again, they should go marching through the doors of American Airlines Arena feeling pretty good about themselves. Absolutely. And they should. And, and I think that when you look at these two teams, they match up pretty well. The Vancouver Canucks and, and the Dallas Stars. You know, the type of games that are a little similar. Obviously, Dallas had a lot more experience on their side of the roster. But a lot of good young talent. A lot of elite defensemen. You know, Quinn Hughes versus Miro Heiskanen, and that's going to be a fun battle yep. to watch. And then you obviously, you know, you have you have Robertson, you have Pedersen, you have everyone who's been playing well for the Vancouver Canucks. It's, it's going to be interesting, and it's one that, you know, you kind of circle on the calendar and you, and you look at it a little bit and say, okay, we look at the Vancouver Canucks here and say, okay, they can beat a lot of good teams, but Dallas is a good team that we think is going to be there at the end of it. So how do you stack up against them? And it's obviously also fun because of all the other backstories that go along with the ownership groups and, yes. and things of that nature, but it should be fun on Thursday night. Yeah, and those stories are yeah. magnified now because both of these, I mean, the Canucks have been down so long that, you know, the Dallas Stars didn't have to worry too much about the Canucks, but uh, Canucks, again, serving notice as they go here through the National Hockey League that uh, they are a team to be reckoned with, and they certainly were that on Tuesday night as they knock off the Predators by a score of 5-2. to two. Earth, This was fun. Some of the games that you and I have worked <laughs> haven't uh, been masterpieces, but uh, this was a solid, solid 60-minute effort by the Vancouver Canucks. So it was fun. It was fun breaking it down as well. Uh, you're going to be back with me on Saturday for that final game before the break against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, that's going to do it for us. 5-2, the Canucks over the Predators. This has been another edition of Rink-Wide Vancouver, brought to you by Petway. <laughs>